Stampede. Garner is at number 83. Recorded 131, 2021. In the teaching of philosophy, if you're not familiar in logic with the law of identity, allow me to explain some of it to you. According to Wikipedia, there are three laws of thought in logic, and the first law of identity can be written as a formula. So you might first find it simple to understand, but If you have a pencil and paper, you may want to take notes. Now, there are different parts to this equation. First, the letter A with a quotation followed by an equal sign, 
and then the letter A again with a quotation sign. So to start again, to repeat the equation for identity, it begins with a quotation mark for the letter A. And it equals the letter A with a quotation mark. So the first law of identity in logic says, and I quote, a rose is a rose is a rose. It can also be written as the capital letter A being the same as the capital letter A. But hold on, according to Wikipedia, the definition of the law of identity says there can be violations and can result in what are called informal logical fallacies. In other words, a thing can have a sense of a different meaning, like saying a rose may not be only a rose, but something else, or represents ambiguity. This falls under the category of substitution in the law of identity. So what we have here is a philosophy in the law of identity that says everything is what it is, or everything is what it is unless it is not another thing. Now, I don't want to get into the other two laws of identity for logical thinking, because it gets sticky and difficult to work through, and I don't want to bore you. But the point being, I don't like politicians, and the reason is clear. Politicians are pompous and are only concerned for their own well-being. When they say they're concerned with helping the people, that's not an expression of the first law of logic. For a real politician, a rose is only a rose if they say it is. Or put another way, a politician could put lipstick on a pig and say it isn't a pig. It's something else. This also applies to propagandists.
I've become more distrustful of politicians. They don't adhere to the laws of logic. They'd like you to look one way while blaming you for not seeing it their way. I don't like pointing a finger at any politician in particular. I'm not like the general citizenry who are inclined to use their middle finger gesturing at politicians. And that may be why many U.S. senators or congresspersons have a small army of bodyguards. A truly healthy society doesn't need bodyguards for their leaders. Of course, what is healthy hasn't existed for a long time. And let's face it, distrust and anger goes back a long way. And it might actually be a human condition. But I'm pretty sure today there's less respect for the people who are running this country than what existed, let's say, 70 years ago. In years past, when fathers made Super 8 color family movies of field trips, visiting the iconic monuments of Washington, D.C., you didn't see protective barriers to quell rioters. Sure, there have always been protests in the past, but not quite what has been happening today. And you know what? I'm inclined to say things aren't going to get better. Of course, there are those that say, love it or leave it. True patriotic people telling you to leave this country if you don't like the way things are. Well, my answer to that is, I can count the fingers on both hands Countries I would love to live in, countries I have actually been to, countries, alas, my resources don't permit me to move to. I'd love to live in New Zealand. I'd love to live in Canada, but it's too cold for me at my age. But I've traveled through every province in Canada and can honestly say I love the people and its natural beauty. I'd love to go back to France and live by the Mediterranean Sea, eat their great food, and visit their historic cathedrals. The thing about the French people is they aren't like Americans. They like to make things beautiful. I could go on, but sure, I'd be happy to leave America if I could.
When governmental officials erected barriers to prevent protesters from storming the U.S. Capitol, it was done with the intention those barriers would be temporary. Now, you know, this show attempts to predict the future. So allow me to say those barriers aren't going to be temporary. No, and they won't just be around the Capitol building. When our government is faced with a collapse from the use of its fiat currency, all sorts of other barriers will be constructed. There are a lot of people who have been talking about the stability of our government's financial condition. And it's not a question of if our government will be forced to restructure, but when. It appears to be inevitable. The U.S. government will never repay its debt. It'll have to declare a restructuring. And the permanent barriers they build around the Capitol building won't be only having signs posted saying closed to unauthorized personnel. No, if the government collapses, it won't just be a question of finding entry to a government building. It'll be a question of exiting. If you think they'll let people leave this country, you'll be in for a big surprise. Especially those who have looted this country and want to take what they can somewhere else. You're seeing it already. COVID-19 is laying the groundwork for what's coming. It's putting rules in place today for being the roadmap of tomorrow. And speaking of COVID-19, if you think everything is going to return to normal, you're in for a rude awakening. The facts are, this is a worldwide problem, and this disease isn't going to go away. COVID-19 is something everyone is going to have to live or die with even with availability of the vaccines. I'm not a scientist, but I think there are lots of reasons to believe if this virus was manufactured in a laboratory, there are people who can think of ways of producing a more specifically designed virus. If you have a closed and genetically similar human population, you may be able to produce a virus that won't infect your own people, but very deadly to open and genetically diverse societies. In other words, a genetically designed fail-safe virus used as a weapon.
The propagandists want you to believe in what they're selling. And a lot of what they have to say comes from the system that gave them employment. They're the replacements for reporting what's happening. They don't let you know the facts. They attempt to mold opinions, convincing the public what to think. It's designed to control people by preventing them from thinking for themselves. The emergence of the propagandists comes from a need to prevent people from seeing what's happening. Tell the people everything is going to be all right, when in fact things aren't all right. The propagandists are a result of the consumerist world. They've been born and bred to support the system, a system that says winning or demanding more at any cost must be maintained, and they become the front line in forming public opinion, especially when things begin failing. When it becomes clear to millions of people they aren't winning, they're actually losing. Someone has to be used to convince those people that what they've lost can be restored. That's why the system with its propagandists can't admit that something is wrong. Forget about those ambiguities. Don't worry about the violence you see and hear daily, because the system can resolve that. Don't question the values your children are being exposed to, because the system knows what's best for them. Just keep consuming, and let artificial intelligence do the thinking for your children. The machines are your future, and they aren't going to bring contentment. When it was working, consumerism never gave millions of people a sense of peace. And with it failing, you can anticipate something very unpleasant is coming. You see, you've been fed a blizzard of lies, so the distrust you feel, the fear, the paranoia that has been fed to you is real. One thing you can depend on, if you can't trust the results of an election, when it comes to a revolution, political power comes from the barrel of a gun, and it may be pointed at you.
Sometimes the process of politics has been described as something less than a clean profession. And to be direct about this, some people would say the workers that pick up garbage on the streets of America are more honorable than politicians. As I said before, some politicians, especially U.S. Congress legislators, have remained in office for 40 years. And oftentimes it's asked, what exactly have they done? I know most U.S. legislators don't work regular business hours. You might see them walking back and forth in the halls of the U.S. Congress carrying papers, or sitting in congressional hearings. But most of our political leaders don't spend very much time actually working. Usually, it's the people that are staffers who serve the needs of an elected senator or congressperson. They do the heavy lifting. I don't know what the actual numbers of days our politicians are required to work at their jobs, but I know one thing for certain. They don't work like the rest of Americans. As an artist with certain concerns for my environment, I've always sided with the workers in this country. The little people who don't get paid much, but who always have their paychecks reduced by taxes. Now, those dollars taxed end up paying for the salaries of our politicians. And with the advent of COVID-19, I've got a strong feeling the revenues received by taxation may not be what they should be. So to follow the first law of identity, you might say a rose is a rose is a rose. And senators and congresspersons should be removed from office because there isn't money to pay for their salaries. Besides, they say they're doing the business of the people when they barely do any business at all. But as we all know, the propagandists that work for the politicians will tell you that everything is on the level, that there's nothing to worry about. Our politicians deserve everything they get.
This week on Garner Isn't, you first heard the music of Harry Gregson and Williams from the 2015 movie The Martian, Build a Bomb, then Howard Shore's composition Wrath from the 1995 movie Seven, followed by Thomas Newman's music Worry Wait from the animated movie Wally E. Then you heard more of Howard Shore, Gluttony from Seven. And then again, Gregson Williams from the movie Martian, Making Water. And to close, Thomas Newman's Foreign Contamination from Wally E. Stampede, written and performed by Edward Garner in Morro Bay and Paso Robles, California.